Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. Sometimes romantic relationships suck, especially when they run off the rails, whether it be from growing differences between relatants. Relatants, is that even a word? I have no idea. I'm going to look it up. If it's not a word, then it's a new one today. Look, do people run off the rails because of growing differences? Or what if someone just ups and decides, oh, they don't want you, they don't want you, they don't want you, they don't want you no more, but they don't bother to tell you about it? Basically, when someone goes to you, yeah, that's when romantic relationships can get on the sucky side. Today's guest experienced ghosting. She was the ghostie, if you will. Old boy turned her loose but didn't verbally communicate that to her. So Lenita Mortimer wrote a book about it to help someone else along this ghoulish breakup recovery path. Let's get right to it with relationship coach Lenina Mortimer, author of the book, I Ain't Thinking About You, the eight-step guide to finally letting him go using the breakup funeral method. Let's get this morning in motion on Planet Now. So this all started after I'd gotten ghosted. So seeing a guy, and then he disappeared. And I was left with feelings of unworthiness, rejection, shame, abandonment, and I really needed a way to process it. And I needed to find closure. And I created the break of funeral as a result of that. Okay. And so just to get in your business a little bit, um, you know, how long had you been seeing the guy? And like, sometimes I ask myself this after, after a breakup, why does this hurt so much? Mm. So we were friends first and then lovers next. And I will say that it hurt because there was something for me to resolve in there. And I, I get into it in my book about the, the lessons that came about from the ghosting. Namely, there were three. Well, one, I, I realized I had this belief. I didn't believe that I was deserving to be loved consistently. Hmm. So that was a story that you told about, about um, a family member mm-hmm. and how that connected to, to that feeling that you had that you weren't worthy to be loved. Yes. yes. So, so I, got, I got to the place where I was like, okay, there are lessons here. What are they? And, I, and I, I figured them out. And then I was still ruminating over the breakup and I just couldn't figure out why. And so then I had this come to Jesus moment and I was sitting on my bed and I was just like, listen, spirit, tell me what I need to know. Show me what I need to see so I can move past this. And I went to bed and woke up in the morning and had this insight. And Freud has this theory that you, you, you date your mom, you date your dad, Oedipal complex stuff, right? And so whenever I had heard it in the past, I'd be like, oh, okay, listen, you know, I don't have any daddy issues, but I don't know why my relationships are so dysfunctional. And so when I say dysfunctional, I mean like they, they'd be like really passionate and loving for a brief period of time, and then they would end abruptly. So that's what I mean by dysfunction. And so I was just like, I just, I don't get it. I don't know why they're, why they're so messed up. And I woke up that morning and I, I had this insight. Growing up, I had two father figures my dad and my uncle. And when I was four, my uncle was the love of my life. That was Bay. We cooked together. We go to church together. We do everything together. And then one day he disappears. (laughs) And, and I internalized that and made it about me not being good enough. 
Mm. And when I got a little bit older, I I don't want to leave your audience in suspense. My uncle's fine. He got ill and went back to our home in Haiti. <laughs> and I was young enough. I, I was I was young, so nobody thought to be like, oh, we need to tell Lenina what happened to her her uncle. <laughs> and I I got to this place where I was just like, oh, I, you know, I'm not dating my dad. I'm dating my uncle. I don't have daddy issues. I have daddy uncle issues. Wow. Uh-huh. And that's when it fell into place for me. Wow. Wow. Well, so how long did it take for you to realize, okay, there's something that I need to work through. And then you got to that point where you said, this is, this is the issue, the daddy uncle issue. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for me to get to that point? Well, dude ghosted in November and by, by Christmas time, I had gotten to that realization. So you were doing some serious work from the time you got ghosted. Yes, girl. I was doing the work. <laughs> so wasn't letting it marinate and sit for like years. <laughs> right, right. And you know what? It's interesting that you would mention that is I would, when I would, when I started talking about my process and how I processed this breakup and I shared it with friends and colleagues, they'd say to me like, wow, something like that happened to me years ago and it took me about five years to get over it. Ooh, that, mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to put an end to because I find that it's such a waste of time and where you can be directing that energy towards your passion, towards creating impact in the life of your, in your life and that of the world, you're stuck ruminating over this like, dead end relationship. Wow. So now let's get to the time you conducted your first breakup funeral. So Guy ghosted in November. Yes. You came to your epiphany in, you said by December yeah. <laughs> of that same year. Yeah. And how long before you hosted your first breakup funeral? My first breakup funeral was a memorable date, March 3rd <laughs> at 3 p.m. So wow, also the, the following year, that next yeah, calendar the, year? The next calendar year. It was, yeah, it was, it was just like, okay, it's time. I'll do it. And it, the funny thing is how, like, I got to creating the breakup funeral. Once I got the, had that aha moment, the realization that, okay, this is daddy uncle issues. I was like in my divine feminine anger. I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> oh, I, I know exactly what you mean and how it feels. Don't get in the way of that. <laughs> I was enra- enraged. And it, quite frankly, my, my trainer, a man, <laughs> got the brunt of it because he was the only one close enough to me to like be incinerated by the fire. <laughs> He's a good man. He's a good man. <laughs> A singed edges, but he'll be all right. Yeah, he's got no eyebrows left. <laughs> he's got no edges. Hey, gift him some edge growth for Christmas. <laughs> I'll gift him a drag for next time I'm in my feminine rage. I'll be like, yo, I'm my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I need to get something to fan with. I'm sorry. It's okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I was I was in my feminine rage and I, I needed a way to like process what was going on. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna start exploring. And I got my natal chart read for the first time. I got <laughs> I I went to 
I went to, I got a reading by a friend who's a psychic medium and she reads Akashic records and she, she read my record. And I, before I even opened my mouth, she was just like, listen, spirit said, <laughs> you know, you're in trouble when <laughs> she starts like, listen, spirit said, you need to do something about the ghosts of past lovers on you. Wow. Yeah. And what? All I did was sit down. <laughs> I was like, I didn't say nothing, girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I test out my psychics. I'm like, let's see if you know anything. I'm not going to say nothing. I'll let you, I'll let spirit talk to you. Let's, let's see what comes up. <laughs> and then she started telling me like, oh yeah, you got like the ghost past lovers around you. I'm like, girl, you know, I got ghosted, right? And she's like, oh, really? <laughs> wow. And so she's like, okay, you, you've, you've got to memorialize them in some way. And she's like, you can make it a private funeral. You can write their names down, put it on a, a mantle, an altar, and and then she stops the reading and she's like, "Listen, this all sounds very ridiculous to me." And I was just like, "What ridiculous to you? You're a psychic. Like, come on." <laughs> I'm sorry. I need a minute. No, no, don't apologize. It's that that is yes. I, I'm glad you're laughing because. I'm just thinking my reaction would be her. What? Exactly. <laughs> so we, we get to, she, she's like, okay, listen, this is bizarre. And I'm like, okay, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm taking notes. I'm like, listen, my spirit guides, they know me, baby. But <laughs> I'm just like, this is not going to be nothing private. I'm going to invite my girlfriends. We're going to have some sparkling champagne. I got a fire pit out back. We're going to burn some stuff. And that's how we're going to do this funeral. And that's how the first breakup funeral was born. And what made it so therapeutic? Because in part in, your, in the book, you talk about the importance or the significance of the incineration or the, of, of burning um, as you memorialize those past relationships. So here's what makes it so therapeutic. In when, when one is treating trauma, it's parts of the brain that... Um, handles um, language and and voicing what's what's wrong is gets shut down and the beauty of performing ceremonies and rituals is that it bypasses the language you don't need to speak it you can act it out and process it and this is a way to act out an ending to get closure and so that is why the cremation or the 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 break of funeral is so therapeutic. And you, how did you feel like right after? Did it take a while for you to feel, yes, I am that feeling, yes, I am free? Or was it immediate? Or did it come a week later? Or what was that like for you? Okay. So really interestingly, I, I did it and I was just like, okay, I feel fine. <laughs> and up until that point, I was just like, okay, I'm moving. I'm moving. The thing about grief, it doesn't, sometimes you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like maybe like majority of the time you're doing okay and occasionally something will come up and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not okay. That surprised, that reaction surprised me. And um, funny thing is that I had, I blocked the ghost on all social media. So I didn't know anything that was going on with him. And like one day my sister happened to come by and she's like, girl, did you hear? He just bought a house. And I don't know what I was doing. I might've been cleaning some dishes, but I was just like, don't you ever tell me anything good about like <laughs> I blacked out. Don't ever tell me any good news about him. I'm like, listen, 
If this house burns down, if the three little wolves come by and huff and puff and blow his house down, that is when you tell me. Until then, don't share anything else. And <laughs> I had incinerated her. You know, no brows left. I don't want the huff. I don't want the puff. I want the blue, the house down. <laughs> blue down, brick by brick. I'm just like, listen. And like, I, yes, she got incinerated and she like did a crab walk out of the room and she's like, okay, it'll never happen again. <laughs> oh, and this was after the funeral? This was after the funeral. But the process had already been started toward healing. So just because you have your breakup funeral doesn't necessarily mean you might, you won't circle back to some of those feelings. <laughs> I love the word incineration. I just, I can well said everything. <laughs> yes, well said. Just because you've had the ceremony and you've addressed the underlying issues and you now see the beliefs that got you where you are, got you the results you're, you have today, does not mean that it it disappears. There's some residuals. There's some residual effect. And that that's the part that takes time. And I was also fortunate enough that I was in grad school at the time and um, um, studying clinical psychology with a focus on mind, body, spirit. And all my professors were therapists. <laughs> so I would work out my stuff in class. <laughs> I just, Why not? Yeah, you don't mind. They're like, oh, you, you want to volunteer for this? Great. And that is the basis on, um, in fact, that's how I developed my, the breakup funeral method. I was working on my master's thesis at Columbia, and I took a deep interest in spiritual healing ceremonies and the efficacy of spiritual healing ceremonies. I wanted to know if they were effective and its effects. Today, when I study spiritual healing and spiritual healing ceremonies, it, it will be with the approach of, I know they're effective. I know they work. Now I want to know how they work. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, cause that's a, that's a question I have too. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I know you mentioned you went to church with your uncle. I grew up going to church as well. And sometimes I wonder, you know, okay, I know this is, this is the stuff that I've been fed, but like, what's the science behind it? How does, how does, how does it work? So that's interesting. I want to, I want to, I would like to keep track of that as you, as you work that, as you work that out and, and write that next book. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I got another book in me. I feel it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about uh, timing. We kind of touched on this just a little bit before. When is it best to have the breakup funeral? I know in some some literal funeral traditions, it's it's customary to get the body in the ground to you know before sundown or before the day is over. Um, and in some other traditions, you know, you have to gather the folks from around the country, and it might take a week or two. What is what does timing look like? Does it matter? Should the person have this funeral as soon as possible? Or should they kind of, you know, putter around a little bit? Or does it, it it's just different for, for each person? Okay, so I will say the typical answer of someone <laughs> who in psychology, which would be it depends. It depends on the severity of the hurt. It depends on where you are in your process. Sometimes having to plan a funeral may be overwhelming, might be too much at the time. 
And so with that understanding, I typically, I would recommend you give it some time. <laughs> you um, get some distance. And if you are still thinking about him after, say, four to six weeks, and I would be like, okay, this is time for me to, to find closure. If you wake up and say, I need closure, or wake up and say, I need to talk to him to find closure, do the funeral right away. Okay. And then that'll start that, that'll continue that process. Yeah. And it's, and then going back again to what you said, it's a, it's a process. And I drag that word out because, you know, it's just not, it's not one and done. Mm-hmm. Is there such thing as going too fast? Because cognitively, you know, it's over. You know, the person isn't coming back. You don't even want them to come back. But your heart hasn't quite caught up with that thought that, that you know what? I know the person is coming back. I don't want him. I don't want that fool no more. <laughs> I don't want him anymore. But the heart and, is still. Interestingly enough, intellectually, I didn't want him because I'm like, no, what? You treated me badly. But there was a point where there was a window where if he had called, I would have been like, great. I'm glad you're back. Welcome back. And that is the, uh, I guess, radioactive period. <laughs> I, there's, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Nice word. <laughs> you're radioactive and you're feeling, you're, you're still very deeply bonded to this person. The brain on love has a cocktail of hormones swimming through it. And you are actually bonded and attached to this person. And while you're... <laughs> Well, your brain is like, no, intellectually, you know, I know he's not good for me, but your lizard brain is like, no, 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 I'm, I, I still have this attachment, this addiction to this person, and they're the only ones that'll make it better. So wow. I'm, I'm going to need another hit of that. <laughs> and wow. so that is the, the, I guess that's the, that's the, one of the obstacles to moving past a breakup. If you keep getting like, re-upped and keep getting a hit of dopamine every time he like rings you and says hey you know um I've been thinking about you that's like oh okay so there might be a chance for us and it's just like restarts the breakup process all over again and it's just it's just a freaking roller coaster and so this is why I recommend like blocking him from everything <laughs> if you truly and really believe like listen I need to move past this this is not good for me. You got to do the blocking. So I'm going to take a quick pause right here to say when I was younger, my mom had some breakup advice for me. She essentially told me when I had a bad breakup to just block them for a bit and get used to having them or rather not having them in my life so much. But it wasn't in the vein of ghosting, though. She wasn't talking about that. More about it and more with relationship coach and author Lenina Mortimer on Planet Now. I remember I had a breakup and I was sad, moping, Eeyore-ish, just to bring <laughs> that character from Winnie the Pooh. And, you know, she told me, look, I understand, you know, your feelings are hurt, but you being friends right away, that's not the, that's not the best thing. You need a period of separation. Mm. I think those are her, her exact words. This is before social media. So, mm. um, but she said, yeah, period of separation. So I did the... I guess the 90s equivalent of blocking. (laughs) 
Um, now you talk about the, the communal experience when you have a breakup funeral, you don't necessarily light candles by yourself. You're you're not alone. You bring people along with you and it's a communal experience, kind of like funerals are a communal experience. And why is that a key portion of the, the breakup funeral? Well, for one, I find that the, the healing and learning is expedited in groups because the insight that one person has and then shares the light bulb goes off on someone else and they're like, Oh, okay. I see how like that insight, like your insight has really served me to like realize like, Oh, that that's what's coming up for me. And so that's one of the reasons why I I really stress the communal aspect of the the breakup funeral. Also, there's an element of um, it's a celebration and in celebration uh, we get to be recognized and a, a portion of the funeral is saying, hey, this is what's coming up for me. This, hey guys, this is some, something exciting that's coming down the pike. I am completing my dissertation. This is what's coming for me. And I recommend that other folks be like, wow, that's really great news. Thank you for sharing that. And it also gives people something to check in on you on outside of your breakup. <laughs> Well, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You said that you you were gonna you were graduating in a few weeks. Um, checking in on that. How'd that go? And oh. also generally telling people that you're in mourning so that they can check in on you too. We don't have to do this alone. Mm. Right, I repeat that again. We don't have to do this alone. <laughs> <laughs> There's help. Help with the people around you who love you. Now, with the funeral, just like a person who is actually passed on. There's prep work. So you don't just jump into the funeral and say, hey, okay, I'm going to have this funeral, write this letter to this person, and uh, we're going to burn it. Mm-hmm. There, there's some, you, have to, you have to do some work. Yeah. You have to do some, some work, okay? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and part of that unpacking involves, you know, tracing patterns. But then there are other steps as well. One of the things that I, I really enjoy about the the breakup funeral is celebrating our strengths. And so a lot of the work that I do is rooted in positive psychology. And positive psychology is the study of uh, flourishing. Um, It's the study of character strengths. And there are 24 character strengths. And um, just to give folks an idea, we have top character strengths like creativity, humor, honesty, kindness, hope. Those are all character strengths. And as part of the pre-funeral work, I have my clients take the BIA character strength survey, which is a little, you know, quick 15 minute test you take online. And that tells you what your top character strengths are. I find that there's a focus on, um, well, when there's a weakness, we've got to strengthen it, strengthen it. The beauty of knowing your character strengths is that you recognize them and you build those muscles. And so the idea with positive psychology is that you, you know your character strengths and then you build upon them so that when something does happen, it, something traumatic or, or something challenging, you have your character strengths that have been developed to rely on. In the book, you also talk about self-care. 
So you have different steps. And, and um, I, I think I mentioned in, in a review that the book is a workshop. And I love that about it. It's, it's a workshop. It's a workshop in, in under 100 pages. So, um, you know, don't let the length fool you. This, is, this book is packed. I'm so glad you said that. So I, I had someone review and say, oh, I read the title and I was expecting something sassy and a quick read. <laughs> and then and then they're like, and then I started to dive in. I was just like, oh, and they were actually surprised. And I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want it to be quick, sassy read, but also I want to leave the reader better than how they they were before or smarter or more informed and that was my intention with the book also um it is a workshop <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that you would say that it's a workshop um it started off as a 90 minute workshop that i i do once a quarter at a breakup retreat that a friend of mine oh. a friend of mine runs it's called we are self centered and so i'm their resident dating coach or breakup coach rather and I lead women through funerals so that is how I really like streamlined the process and I got to see what worked and what didn't so it's like one thing to to write a thesis and like and have all these theories and it's another to see your theories actually played out in real life and to see what works what landed where where was like where, where did where did I feel the energy shift in the room and what process and that is what I bring into the book I'm just like okay I know for sure this works also I knew for sure that it worked when I bumped into the ghost yes yes yes. yeah describe that because you know that's well whatever happened to the guy the world is a small place what happened so I I had an intuitive knowing that one day I would bump into him off the strength that we have friends in common it was kind of like, obviously, first of all, don't ghost people that you have friends and comments with. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Either way, really randomly, I, I stepped off the train one day and bumped into him on the platform. And I was just like, well, 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 look, looky, looky here. Well, in my head. In fact, I probably didn't even say any of that. But I was like, I, I stared at him because I almost didn't recognize him. It felt like bumping into like a B-list celebrity. Like, yo, I, I know you from somewhere, but I can't tell from what. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like they, they face look familiar. So you might be like Facebook friends with them. You might be, you might've seen their face with a friend of a friend or you've seen them in something. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, I know exactly what you so I'm like I looked at him I squinted a little like and I'm like okay if this person doesn't recognize me I'm gonna stop because it's weird like I can't be staring at him and so then he looked at me with recognition in his eyes and I was just like oh that's him anyway and so we embraced and he was like oh how are you how are you doing and he's like rambling at the he just saying everything everything off the top of his head and I was just like oh you shook okay (laughs) (laughs) and obviously whenever I tell the story I'm like yo when I'm telling my girlfriend I'm like listen he was shook okay he was (laughs) when he saw me and so (laughs) and so like I I get to this place where I was just like oh man 
the needle didn't even move. I was, I found this beautiful neutral. I, I didn't, I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I had rehearsed in my head what it is I would have said to him many times before when I was in like deep in my radioactive race. Incineration mode. <laughs> Incineration mode. I was like, yo, I know exactly what I'm going to say. That's, that's Brooklynese for me. I'm blacking out and I'm going to point a finger at his nose and say, right? All that. Because <laughs> obviously I would not have remembered what it exactly I would have said to him. But I didn't do any of that. I was just like, oh, okay, well, it's nice to see you. Take care. And I just walked away. And that was, that was that moment. I was just like, okay, this is the universe telling me, like, this is time to share this process. It works. You know it works. You've tested it <laughs> on actual people. You've seen the results. You've seen it in your, play out in your life. And you're complete here. And to add to this completion, I find that um, I'm not complete until I've shared what I've learned. And so that is how I got to the book. Oh, you're not complete until you've shared what you've learned. Yeah. And now this isn't the case for, for many people. However, I know that my work here is to, to be a teacher of sorts. And so a book was one way to share what I've learned. Wow. And so you talk about self-care mm -hmm. and the book, it's dense with, with workshop material, mm -hmm. exercises, mm -hmm. and self-care. I mean, that's a buzzword that you hear a lot, you know, especially nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, what does self-care have to do with the book, the mission of the book, the purpose of the book, and your desire to lead women dealing, or is it women or just anyone dealing with the breakup through the healing process? So really interesting. When I was preparing the, when I did the pre-writing for my book, because there's pre-funeral work and also this pre-book writing work, uh, one of the exercises I had to do was like, who am I writing this book to? This book I wrote as a love letter to, to Black women, <laughs> to, to, to LaToya, who's, you know, my is a it's a loose version of myself at at 31 and so i was writing a love letter to latoya's and it a really major part of that for me was like okay well um talking about healing after breakups specifically women healing after breakups and even more specifically black women healing after breakups and that was really important for me to to focus on that and a healing space for a Black woman is going to look different. You know, I've, it seems that in the Black community as a whole, even though the Black community is as diverse as anything, mm -hmm. but one thread I notice, whether a person is, you know, say, from, from the States, from the Caribbean, from, you know, from the UK, we, we're expected to hold things down. Yes. And to hold things in. Yes. And it's, I mean, I don't know if I'm 100% right about that, but it seems that the different Black women I meet from different parts of the globe, that seems to be a thread that I pick up intuitively. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm, I'm open to being very wrong, but that seems to be a thread that I pick up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you get the same thing. 
I get the same thing. In fact, you're reminding me of a story I heard that um, something that Jesse Jackson once said. Um, he he said that um, the, that black people keep are, are being described as like the lowest rung, and he's like, we're he he says that we're yes perhaps the lowest rung, but we can reframe that and say we're the foundation of this country, and at the foundation. Um, uh, once your foundation is strong, everything up above it gets strong too, gets strengthened as well. And so if we're, if we're going to be straight up and say, well, okay, who, who's the lowest rung? And we look at those who are, who are the sickest, who are the least paid, who are the most disenfranchised, and we see Black women there. And so the healing work is going to look different. And so this was my dedication to doing my part or doing a piece of that healing work. And when Black women are healed, everyone gets healed. And it's like everyone, when Black women are doing, doing well, everyone is doing better. And so I would think it'd be in everybody's interest to be like, yeah, you go, you, you ladies take care of yourself and do your healing work because I know that we will benefit from it. So we talk about self-care. Another thing you also talk about is, you talk about acceptance, but you talk about radical acceptance, radical acceptance. What is that? So that piece of information really served me in realizing that um, one of the things I do, my default is to look at myself and say, well, what did I do wrong? I, the must... If this person's reacting this way, then I must have some, done something wrong. And that is, I've been conditioned and socialized to think that I did something wrong. Now we're the defect. We're always the defect. Right. We're always the defect. And so now when you're walking into a relationship with the thought that I'm the defect, I did something wrong, then we're forever looking at every, then abuse is no longer abuse. It's more like it's warranted, Right. And so then we're, we're taking on more of uh, the responsibility, more of the burden, more of the blame in the relationship. And so then we're like, this clouds our judgment. And then we don't get to see, we don't get to truly see the person for who they are and what they're doing when we're so clouded by our own defect. And so if your, your default is to be like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? Then this information is for you. Now, there are folks running around here who, who are just like, oh, I can never do anything wrong. So then this is not for you. <laughs> Take a closer look at yourself. <laughs> okay, you have, you have a different set of issues. <laughs> okay, this, this, this bit of information is not for you. It's for the people who are just like, okay, I must have done something wrong in order to deserve this. To really, like, to really uh, um, question yourself and question that thought, like, okay, where did this come from? Why am I thinking that? And, um, and it's not, am I being fair to myself? Because it's clear that this person <laughs> isn't, am I being fair to myself? I don't have to carry around this burden. Yeah, because, you know, self-care, when I hear self-care, I hear, you know, the nails and, you know, getting the hair done and getting a massage. And I think, I think you, uh, you bring it up in that particular, you encapsulate it that way as well. But it's, it's more, it's some internal work. Yeah, it's that the, workshop. <laughs> the, the self-care is crucial. It's the absolute most crucial thing you can do when going through a breakup. 
And um, it's interesting to me that um, uh, I recently I was at a spa and I was telling the woman across sitting across from me, uh, what is it I do? And, and she's like, you, you do what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I help women overcome breakups. She's like, you know that I'm going through a breakup and something about the, like the space we were in. I was just like, yeah, I know. Like a lot of brokenhearted women come to spots. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just sorry. And it's self-care is paramount. And one of the, one of the, um, <laughs> one of the, um, processes I, I talk about in my book is I was talking with a, a classmate slash friend at a house party and she's like she's a sex coach and I told her I was like listen I'm going through a breakup and she's like okay so what are you doing for your self-care and I was just like hmm? what what do you mean self-care for a breakup and she's like listen girl you need to get on it and I was just like okay and she's like listen there's this thing called titty massage <laughs> a breast massage I call it <laughs> <laughs> It's a breast massage, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I'm just like, you, and what, what do we do with that? Why, why? And she's like, listen, just watch this YouTube video. You can do it yourself. And I was just like, oh, okay. The idea behind breast massages, besides the fact that it, um, it, it's cleansing and it helps to detox the body and release um, toxins from the lymph nodes in the breasts. It's also the idea that we can, we're in control and self-pleasure ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's an element to it as well. And also um, the touch is, releases feel-good hormones. (laughs) Feel-good hormones. (laughs) And so that is one of the reasons why I I think like uh, heartbroken women go to spa. They go Mm -hmm. get massages, they go get touched. And I think that's, I, I would recommend that. <laughs> it helps. It okay. takes the edge off. And yeah, I'll, I'll leave that there. A girl's okay. self-care. Yeah, self-care, ladies. Self-care. Self-care. Now, you go through, you have eight steps that lead up to the breakup funeral and then, you know, the celebration of yourself and, you know, memorializing everything that, you, that you've been through um, or surrounding this breakup. Now, you have chapters after the breakup and one of them is i think it's called uh, breakup traps so going back to what what we were saying earlier what you were saying earlier this is a process you may have be in incineration mode and then you know you're out of incineration mode you have your breakup funeral and you know elements of incineration may come back here and there maybe but the process has started you've begun to process your way through through the feelings toward the ultimate goal of healing but you talk about some breakup traps that to in when i when i was reading i'm thinking okay these breakup traps this is something that can seriously hijack your progress mm-hmm. and um one of them is let's see i remember this quote because i've heard this i don't know how many countless times i've heard this in order to get over him you've got to get up under someone else <laughs> and even hearing that as like a child and a teenager i would always laugh because the, Number one, the women who said it were just hilarious. They weren't trying to be funny, but they really were. Girl, you got to get up under somebody else. Hey. <laughs> but that's not the best way to handle things. Yes. I, I feel very strongly about that saying. And <laughs> when I, I think it's, 
it's a misguided piece of advice. Mm -hmm. And and I realize that um, the there there might the idea behind it is to, you know, um, move on and move on quickly. But it, it seems like you know, it seems like men do that. They get up under somebody else or over somebody else or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and look how happy they are. So, good point. <laughs> Um, is it working? Does it work? The, the idea that um, it, it, it creates this, this social pressure to move on before you're ready. And, and it also, I don't want to say like it begs that, um, that you, hmm, what's the best way of saying it? Like you, that you, you need a man. <laughs> it's just like you, you need a man not only to forget him or to heal from him like you you need you need someone else and the whole idea behind the breakup funeral is that you can create your own closure your own healing um you have your own autonomy you're in control of this and so i, I really wish that we would retire that saying even if it's just said in jest but we're all hearing it little girls are hearing it and it's not cool. And you are, as a journalist, you know the last question. Mm. Is there anything that I have not asked that you feel it's important to say? <laughs> I knew you would get this one. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I wish for my readers is that they do not blame themselves and carry shame. And in one of the breakup traps, uh, one of them is forgiving too soon. And forgiveness is one of those um, ideas that said like, well, you know, forgive fast, like do it. And it's always highly recommended. Um, however- Especially among church people. Yes. And I, and I recommend that you do not, especially if you're not ready. Because when you forgive too soon and you're not ready, you're still ruminating over it. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm like, I forgave him. Why am I still thinking about this? Why am I still thinking about him? Why am I still so angry? And then that only works to like re-trigger you and like, re, like restart the cycle all over again and like causing more shame. And so, so my recommendation is like, no, don't forgive. And forgiveness is not like, a, it's not a, a prescription that you can just like hand out it really just, it also depends on the severity of the hurt. And there, some women forgive too soon, specifically women, uh, specifically battered women. Um, generally, women don't forgive. Just, for anybody listening to this, <laughs> if you're a man out there and you think that you're going to do something and you're going to slight a woman and she's not going to, she, she not, she going to forgive you real fast. No, she'll always remember and she won't forgive you. So don't do it. Um, but there's a specific um, women who are abused forgive too soon. And um, the cycle of abuse continues on and on and on. And so, um, so specifically, I recommend that women who are in abusive relationships, like, no, don't, don't, don't entertain the idea. <laughs> Forgiveness is not therapeutic. It isn't always therapeutic or always uh, useful or necessary. And so um, I find that the the biggest hurdle and biggest breakup trap is forgiveness and so don't feel pressure to do it to say that you know i forgive you just so you can it only works to help them to feel better <laughs> but you're still carrying all the all the baggage the residuals from the hurt that they inflicted yeah but you're still messed up 
So that would be my one piece of advice. Don't forgive. I mean, don't be spiteful and vindictive. But <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we, we ain't forgiving. Team, no, no, no. <laughs> team, team, no forgive. <laughs> so, but you're not necessarily saying that you're against it. You're just saying don't just hand it out like, like free candy. Yes, I'm not against it. I'm simply challenging the idea that forgiveness is uh, one size fit all. I'm simply suggesting that we need to look at forgiveness a little closer because who is it really for if the person isn't ready for forgiveness? Ooh. Oh, mm. so you're not ready to forgive and they're not ready to be forgiven because they're still rotten. <laughs> 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 or like you're forgiving only because you feel as though it's the right thing to do and you're feeling like oh I want to be a good person and make sure that they're feeling I want to take care of their feelings and so I'm going to say I forgive you so that they can feel better but meanwhile you're not no self-care yeah this is this is a, this calls for aggressive self-care and so this is why I recommend like no forgiveness not yet just hold on it'll come <laughs> It, it will come, especially when you bump into them in a random, random moment where, where you're like, oh, man, this is the same dude I couldn't even get on the phone to break up with. Oh, okay, cool. All right. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, I'm good. Take care of yourself, man. Thanks for listening to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. That was Lenina Mortimer, relationship coach and author of the book, I Ain't Thinking About You, the eight-step guide to finally letting him go using the breakup funeral method. Learn more and get all of her social media handles and a link to her book at planetnoun.com. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Noun podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also on SoundCloud, and please stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Thanks again for stopping by, and until next time, take care.